You open up your bag of specialty coffee. You weigh, grind, and the aroma blows your mind. Your brew goes perfectly, but uh uh-oh. What went wrong? Your water, that's what. Third Wave Water helps give that cafe-quality experience at home, unlocking all the bright flavors your coffee has to offer. Just add one stick of minerals to a gallon of distilled water to upgrade your coffee experience. Visit thirdwavewater.com and use coupon code COFFEEPODCAST for 10% off your first order. You're listening to The Coffee Podcast. I'm Jesse Hartman. And I'm Ryan Ingerson. What the heck's going on, man? Who are you? Who sent you? Was it... I think B sent somebody into the room. Who, who, who's here? If you can hear me. Far worse than B. I'm a recent graduate. One, <laughs> one who's trying to juggle a full-time job and still be engaged in coffee. Seriously. Uh, Ryan is a good friend of mine and the official research contractor of the Coffee Podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about how this came about. You tell your version and maybe I'll tell a short version of mine. So Jesse and I met at the 2020, 2020 or 2021? I don't know. It was we the Boston one. one. <laughs> we, met, we met at the Boston one of the Specialty Coffee Expo where... I was doing my thing, going through, listening to lectures, uh, attending the trade shows while I was currently not working in coffee, nor had any reason to be there when I bumped into Jesse. And at that point, I was already a huge fan. Uh, Listen to the backlogs. Um, You can hear me gushing a little bit in the the interview where you recorded, actually. Oh, you call that gushing? Okay. For me, it is. For me, it is. (laughs) But we chatted a little bit there, and I was moving down to Austin at the time, uh, where I knew you were based, and I asked you for a coffee. And we said yes, and we met up at one of my favorite coffee shops down in Austin, and from there, it's just been collaboration since. Yeah, I, I guess my my end of the story, i just add some color, is I basically said to you, I'm, I'm drowning. Uh, you know, I can't maintain the podcast alone, and so... You know, I didn't want the quality of the podcast to drop, and you were very interested in coming on board and helping. And so it was kind of just a perfect, uh, a very serendipitous situation. And so, um, yeah, we we struck an idea of, of what this would look like. Let's talk about a little bit about what you're bringing to the podcast. So from my perspective, I would say you're what you're bringing is really valuable insights into the research that basically funnels the background of the questions that I'm able to ask because you're you're doing a lot of the legwork to make sure that we understand the topics that we're trying to talk about on the show, right? I mean, yeah. what, what's your perspective? That's kind of my quick spin. You know, with a podcast and one that can be so freeform as this one, even when you set a topic, it's very easy to go down rabbit holes or take a left turn here. That's great. Like that natural exploration of topics. It's honestly one of the parts I love about this podcast. and I love how it opens the doors for our guests on the podcast to really share what they want to share. Hmm. But at the same time, it can often be blindsiding. And this is more a general thing for podcasts or anything you prepare for. If you don't think about the other topics or the core themes or ideas behind a topic, you might find yourself backed into a corner or having absolutely no clue where we're at. And while I think 
that was rarely the situation. Having some more formalized prep, having a good background crash course on what we're going to be talking to a guest about really allows us to not only outline and frame the topic for our guest, but highlight them and really bring out the best when they do get into topics that are, let's say, a little below the surface level. Yeah, I think that's really well put. And uh, I mean, the emphasis here being, you know, I used to do this on my own. Uh, and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm just not as good as Ryan is at, at doing this. Um, we've done a few episodes now. Many of them have not even, well, some of them have not even been interviewed yet. Like we haven't done the interview yet, but some of them have been recorded and we haven't released them yet. So this is a very new thing. Um, and Ryan's very good at bringing the research to the table, um, really valuable conversations, making sure that it's not just uh, like uh, me just talking into a microphone uh, without any context. And so it's it's an extremely valuable add uh, to the content. Uh, and so I hope that you, the listeners, can can hear that quality and know hey, there's that guy, Ryan, who's helping and, and he's bringing a lot of that value. So let me ask you a few questions, Ryan. One, why did you start listening to the podcast? <laughs> I, I actually want to ask you, like, uh, how, did you, how did you even hear about the podcast? Because that's the question that I normally want to ask people. Did you have any favorite episodes, topics that were covered? I'm curious. When I first got into coffee, I really wasn't into coffee. Um, I started by selling cold brew and it was just because I was going to Duncan every morning on my way to high school. And my friend and I decided that that was getting way too expensive. So I started <laughs> dabbling with making my own cold brew and to make a long story short, it spun off into this whole side business. I made a decent bit of pocket change and slowly got more into the production side of coffee, let's say the barista side. But it wasn't until a couple years later where I've been doing the cold brew shtick for a while. I wasn't really into it from like the cultural or industrial side of it. But I started researching ways to make my cold brew better. And I'm sure anyone could guess where this is going from this point. But as I started engaging with it in more ways, getting into the actual chemistry behind it, researching recipes, researching people who make good cold brew, I just slowly found myself getting more and more engaged and finding a passion for, well, coffee more holistically. Two years into this cold brew extravaganza, I was a freshman in college. It was an extractionanza. <laughs> extractionanza. Exactly. Yeah, just to be clear. <laughs> um, I found myself looking for more information, but knowing so little, I didn't even know where to go. So you're a freshman in college, you're identifying with something you know very little about. What do you do but get super heavy into podcasts? Yeah, makes sense. Naturally, when you start looking up coffee podcasts, there's a, this one's very aptly named. The SEO is just so good for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but all jokes aside, I tried a bunch of coffee podcasts and I loved this one because there's so much of a backlog that I could really sink my teeth into so many topics. Um, I loved the, the personalities. I loved the way you ran interviews and just being able to hop into a series or take a one-off episode. It, it was basically like, 
having a whole Netflix of coffee information. You really could just jump onto any part that you wanted. See, my experience has been totally different, obviously, because I'm just like been doing it for so long. So it's cool to know that that's the way that you experienced the podcast and how it brought value to you being able to jump around. And I hope anybody listening to this episode considers that. If you're new to the podcast, go find uh, just by title, you know, what what topics sound interesting to you. And Ryan, I'm excited too that you have that background, you have that experience, you listen to the podcast, and now here you are contributing um, great value to the podcast. Um, so I'm excited uh, for that for that connection, that story, and and what comes next. Um, let me ask you this. What do you hope to bring to the podcast? Um, and let me just leave it there. Yeah. I really want to bring not a new direction, but I think having two minds instead of one, having our chats that we do while we're planning episodes, I think can highlight some different stories, some interesting stories, bring forward things that you alone might not have thought of. And that I alone, if I was in uh, a bizarre world where I founded this podcast, I wouldn't notice either. There's something that collaboration brings out that's really greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a huge... The biggest thing anyone should take away from this is I'm a giant coffee book nerd. I wrote a uh, thesis paper on polycultural coffee farming, even though it gave me nothing for my major. <laughs> uh, I just chose to do it because I loved it. And coffee is such a narrative-based industry. It is the story of all of the hands that have not only touched it along the supply chain, but in its long history evolving alongside humanity itself. I think this podcast has already done a great job highlighting voices you may not hear much from or voices you hear from constantly, but from a different angle, something more humanized. Hmm. And I would love to help that continue, bring out some new voices as well and help the podcast continue to grow. Honestly, there's no, uh, there's no, big <laughs> ulterior motive behind it. There's no, uh, oh, yeah, no specific yeah, yeah. No, direction I, or plug I'm looking for. I, I know that some large conglomerate holding company, they're, they're behind all of this, Ryan. I, I see straight through you, all right? So well, we're just going to let this play out. <laughs> if any sponsors want to reach out, I am for sale. <laughs> well, thanks, Ryan. Uh, is there anything else you want to say to the listeners before we kick it back to the conversation with Lucia? I'm excited to be joining, and I know there's going to be some good things brewing, so I'm excited for you all to listen to it. We discovered you like a quote from Anthony Bourdain uh, that starts, and I've heard this one too, the quote is, travel isn't always pretty, and it's longer than this, the quote is, but that's just the part I want to focus on. What wasn't pretty about this journey for you? Ooh, many things. For sure, the traveling. It was like lonely traveling and uncomfortable traveling. I remember coming back from my second trip in 2021 and just feeling like I came back like a different person. And I was carrying all this emotional baggage from all the stories I heard. Mm. That trip was like really tough because all these women, like they really opened up to me. All of them like burst into tears when we were talking about their stories and they've been through a lot. 
and just seeing their resilience and some of them saying like, but I forgive, but I, but I heal, but I move on. For me, it was like, it was eye opening. And it also made me realize that I needed to heal a lot within myself as a woman. This idea of being a woman was not something that I thought, or I knew I I hadn't figured it out. It was like a debate inside my brain of what is really, why are we good for this world, right? So just listening to these conversations and listening to their stories, I realized like, wow, we're so strong as women. We're so powerful. We're so resilient. Mm. So that part is really hard for me because I came back and I immediately felt like a different person. And I didn't know what was going to happen to me. This was the second trip. Mm. I remember coming back home and, and thinking like like my home at the time, because not, not home, but that city where I was living at and saying, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this. This is just too much, mm. too heavy. So then I was like, I need to get a therapist. I think like if I want to finish this project, I need to be able to have a space, a safe space where I can talk through all these trips and like digest and have like the strength to keep moving. Yeah. But so I think for me, that, that was definitely one thing, just traveling by myself, hearing all these like really heavy stories. And there were many occasions where I was like, I was ready to throw in the towel. I was like, I cannot finish this. Mm. I remember one trip to Tolima, like the south of Tolima, to a town that is called Gaitania. Gaitania is a town that for Colombians, we are really scared of that of that town because that's where uh, this FARC, this like violent group was created, founded. Mm. And these poor people lived through a lot. And this town is like stigmatized by what happened, right? Like mm. these people are not necessarily part of this group. They're not violent. But when people say, I'm from Gaitania, you immediately get scared. It's like, oh. Mm. So mm. I remember just being there and like being by myself and feeling so lost, so helpless and having a lot of doubts and just crying and saying, this is this is not going to happen. So I think it's like um, the hardest part is just like this mental conversation of not feeling that you were good enough Mm. as an artist. So going to a farm and not getting the photos that I was expecting or the woman was not so engaged. Uh, Her story was not so inspirational because that's the reality. Like Mm -hmm. they're amazing women, but some stories are not inspirational to you and realizing like, yes, this is going to happen again and again. And you have to move and you have to get to know everyone, the full spectrum. Mm. because you are documented women, Colombian women coffee farmers. So I think it's just also this like mental conversation with yourself and this imposter syndrome of like not thinking that you your work is enough, mm. your work is not good enough. I think that was the hardest part. It was like the hardest part was myself, like this conversation with myself. Yeah. It sounds like you were on this journey of resilience yourself, right? You're speaking to all these women, being inspired in some cases of their resilience and finding in yourself sort of as part of the journey, this need to endure or the desire to endure, but not sure if you can. Man, wow. (laughs) Well, thanks for, yeah, thanks for being vulnerable about that. It's inspiring to hear that. I mean, we're sitting on the other side of it now, looking back going, hey, you did it. You did the thing. I wonder what yourself today would tell yourself then. (laughs) Actually, there's a question. What would you tell yourself? For sure, like, just keep building confidence on yourself. Hmm. And it's fine to feel that your work is not enough because you're doing this for the first time. So it's not going to be perfect. And, and perfect is beautiful. 
So just keep moving, keep moving and keep doing it. No matter how sad you feel today, tomorrow is going to be better. And you know, you can make this happen and you know, you can finish it. Mm. And I really like, I think that was my motto. Like maybe I was crying today and I was like, this is enough. I'm going to quit. And then waking up the next day and saying like, no, this book, like the motivation is bigger. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not only a motivation, it's consistency. It's knowing like, this is a huge project. Of course, it's going to be like a roller coaster. Mm. Sometimes you're down, sometimes you're up, but just keep moving because that's the only way you can start walking towards the end, right? Yeah. So I think that happens a lot with artists when we think about creating a big project because we are mostly by ourselves. We're fighting with ourselves and with this idea of like, my work is not enough, it's not good, it's not the best. And also with this idea, like I have to juggle all these different roles. I was taking the photos, I was leading a team, I was writing, I was also doing a lot of research on how to publish a book because I had no idea how to publish a book. Also like figuring out my life, I was in Colombia constantly traveling, feeling like so uncomfortable, mm -hmm. eating things that I was not used to. So yeah, I would just tell myself, just keep moving, keep moving that you can make it and the most beautiful things happen when you do it for the first time mm. because that's when you realize you're capable of doing anything you set out to do mm. how do you think i know we've touched on some of this but if you're able to distill it down maybe into one or two things do you think you were changed by this experience and how would you describe that change yeah and If I was not changed, something like what's gotten wrong, because <laughs> when you dedicate so much time and energy and care and love and work to create something, you definitely need to change. Like that's something that it not only happens when you create a project, but that has to happen in life. If you're the same person that you were five years ago, there's something wrong. There is something happening, right? Mm. So yeah, for sure. I feel that I finally can say really proudly that I'm a woman, that I'm a Latina, that I'm Colombian, and most importantly, that I belong to the coffee industry. Mm. So I think that was like, really making this book has given me my own voice, uh, has given me certainty of who I am, who I want to be. And most importantly, that we're all humans living the same human experiences and connecting through these like human experiences, these struggles, these aspirations. There's a lot of value. And this is really where the bridge connects. Mm. A lot of the answers for a lot of the questions we have in the coffee industry are there yeah. in those conversations that we still haven't had. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I feel about finishing this book. I'm a new person, stronger, more resilient. I'm for sure like more empathetic to others. Mm. Do you have a message for the coffee sector now that you uh, you feel you can confidently say you belong to the coffee sector? Do you have a message from your experience for all people in coffee? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I could like and and I could start just saying all these different like numbers and data just to impress the crowd, right? And I know so much about coffee now. No, I think like the the re really the message that I want to send to the coffee industry is. Through this journey of meeting so many of these women, of sitting down and actively listening to them, to like spend time with them, but really being present in the moment, I realized that there's something that maybe we, we haven't seen as an industry when we think about sustainability in coffee. And is that even before we think about climate change, even before we think about water management and, and soil health, 
we need to think about the well-being mentally, emotionally, and physically of our farmers, not only women. And I feel there's a lot to unpack there in terms of mental health. Mm. I think like if these farmers could get support, like mental health support, a lot of things could change and shift by providing that support. Because a lot of these people, they've been living life with the same beliefs and ideas that have been inherited to them by their parents and then their grandparents. And it's like a whole vicious circle. And they believe things are the same and the same. And I think the only way we can provide help is by offering professional mental health support. Because when you really have an opportunity to sit down, to talk things through, to put a sound to everything you live through, that's when really you can heal and you can see the potential you have, where you want to go, what things need to change. So, of course, it's like a delicate topic, but I do feel that there is a lot of potential there for the future of our industry and for the future of these families. Mm. And we always think about forging a coffee industry where there is a true gender equity. And I think the only way of doing this is changing this cultural mindset and this cultural beliefs of women are less, women are inferior, of thinking women are not capable or of thinking the man is the boss, the man knows better. And it's no, we need to work as allies and we need to understand that each person within the supply chain, not only at the farm level, we all have something to bring, like some value to bring to the coffee industry. Mm -hmm. So so definitely that, that's something that I will tell the industry. When we think about sustainability, we should think more about mental health. And mental health is part of the UN sustainability development goals. Mm. So it's there, but maybe we, we haven't seen it or we haven't paid attention to this matter. Mm. So, so yeah, I think that will be my message. And I, I am running like a little pilot. So now that I'm done with the book, a promise that I made those women is that I was going to donate a percentage back to them. All of them, not only the 25 that, that are showcasing the book. Very cool. But I didn't, I told them, I still don't know what. I don't want to just give you a gift. I don't want just to give you money because I don't think that's going to create any impact. But after finishing the book and realizing that mental health is so important, not only because I've seen it talking with these women, like the conversations we have, I like to call it that it was like a healing spark for these women. Because every time I talk to these women and they will open up to me, which I'm so grateful for and so honored, mm. they told me, oh my God, I've never said this aloud. Oh my God, thank you for listening to me. I feel like there's something that I, I was carrying something so heavy and I feel so light after this conversation. Mm. And that's exactly how I felt when I've done therapy. Uh, I've suffered from severe depression and therapy has been like a wonderful tool and really saved my life. And I'm the person who I'm today because of therapy. Mm. I've changed many of my limiting beliefs um, uh, through therapy. So yeah, so what I'm going to do uh, now realizing that mental health is so important, not only for me, but it can be a powerful tool for these women. I'm running a pilot where I'm creating a team of therapists and they're going to put together like a workshop and we're going to offer uh, four sessions one-on-one -on -one with these women where they can have some time to do the traditional talk therapy, but then they're going to get some tools that they can implement and start using right now to help them mm. grow and change their mindset and have more confidence on themselves because I felt like that was a lot of what I saw with these women, that they don't believe how incredible they are. Mm. So, so that's something I'm doing. So 
all the proceeds from all the book sales for all the events I've done mm-hmm. to launch the book, mm-hmm. all those proceeds are going towards this little pilot. Cool. So yeah, I feel like if you think there's something that can help and you feel you can do it, take action and do it. Like don't wait for companies or big corporations to do it. Just do it and try it out and see if it can help. And it's a good way to also inform and educate the industry. Hmm. I like a lot of what you said there, but two things are sticking out to me. One of the things is it's heartbreaking to know that these women said what they said. This is the first time I said this out loud and I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. I mean, you did that. You know, you going in there, sitting down, talking to them. That's such a beautiful thing to have happened and that you got to experience. And I'm really excited that you're not just leaving it there, that you're doing something else, this pilot. The other thing that stuck out to me was what you just said. Don't wait for the SCA to do something. Don't wait for, I don't know, name another organization to, to do something. Go out and do what you're thinking. That's a cool call to action. And hopefully people who get to listen to this episode can can think about, hey, maybe I'm the next person to do a thing. And what is that thing? It's really inspiring. Thank you. No, thank you. I, and I agree with you. I feel like like listening to someone is such a like basic human need. And maybe we forget about like that the farmers and the pickers are human just like us. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's where the disconnection is. Is that we maybe we don't we think about the product? Yeah. How can we get this coffee to be a better quality? How tasty is this coffee? Where is this coffee coming from? But I think we forget about like, oh, there's a human just like me there, just like me with the same dreams, with the same aspirations. Yeah. So I, I think when we like if we manage to connect those two dots, mm-hmm. I think a lot of things can spark for, from that because it, it is not only about the coffee industry, it's about engaging consumers. Yeah. What's the best way to engage a consumer? to create this emotional connection and say, oh my God, she's a mother just like me. Oh my God, she's a dreamer just like me. She's a hustler just like me. So I feel like there's a lot of there that could get more people to be interested in coffee, more interested in maybe paying more for a cup of coffee, knowing that this money is going towards a cause that will impact not only them, but their business, their families, the future generations and our coffee industry, the future of our coffee industry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's important to try and think more and more. You know, as people that are listening to this content, we're kind of all on the same page. Some people will be new and just hearing stuff for the first time. But the idea of sitting down when you're drinking your coffee or when you weigh your beans, you know, to grind or whatever that you think about somebody, if it's specialty coffee, somebody handpicked the cherry that that seed came from. Yeah. If we can at least do that and try and remember that as we're consuming coffee, as we enjoy it, I think it's going to be natural for us to talk about those things too to people that aren't so aware, right? Yeah. And, and, and one last thing I would like to say is like, maybe we as, engage coffee consumers and coffee, like passion, like we're so passionate about coffee. We forget that these people, like their work is to produce coffee, to grow coffee. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean they need to be obsessed with coffee. <laughs> or, <laughs> right. and, and I think we forget about this. Right, we forget right. about like, maybe they don't care so much. Oh, you saying like, oh my God, this coffee is so tasty. Oh my God, like this, this is processed, this, this, this. This was roasted this way or had it with milk or I brew it in a, in a Kalita. Like, <laughs> They, why would they care? That's their work. Like you see doctors when they get asked by family members, oh my God, I have like a pain here. Do you know what that is? Or look at this rash here. Could you help me? And they're like, 
I'm trying to spend time with family. Why are you asking me all these questions? Yeah. My life doesn't revolve just around like being a doctor. And I think the same thing happens with farmers. Yeah. Their work is to produce high quality coffee, to learn more, to get their farms to produce better coffee and that can increase the well-being of their families. But that doesn't necessarily mean they need to be so passionate about the beverage itself. So that's something we need to realize. Yeah. And the other thing that I would say, and this is the last thing, is that we should be thinking, I, I read a, an article long time ago that was written by Meister and she mentioned something really interesting to see life as a pyramid and think about on top of the pyramid we should have all the products that we consume the most so let's say when you look at I don't know like I I love oatmeal (laughs) so (laughs) I buy a lot of oats and I love coffee so I buy a lot of coffee so where are you spending most of your money which products and so for me, it's coffee and oatmeal. So learn more about those products. Hmm. Learn more about who is producing this this coffee or this oats. Where? What are the struggles for these industries? How can I make it like a more conscious purchase? Which brands are doing a better job? Hmm. Instead of just thinking about everything. Because if we think about each product that we buy, we're going to get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So just having a pyramid and putting the products you buy the most in the top and learn more about those products, I think that can help. And for a lot of people that don't work in coffee, Coffee, coffee is at the top of that pyramid. Yeah. And I think that's why coffee has such tremendous potential to grow more in consumption and to develop new projects and get people to pay more and to want to learn more because it's a staple in every home in the US, yeah. if not in all of the homes in the US. Yeah, as long as the anti-coffee rhetoric from these mushroom companies don't... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was just a random stab at those anti-coffee companies. Now we're down to our last question. This is one I ask everybody who jumps on the show. At least I try to. Yeah. You can choose one. You can either answer what is the best piece of advice you've ever received or what is the main takeaway you have or want our listeners to have from this conversation? I think I would choose the first one. So my mom has been like a huge inspiration for me. Like my family is not a conventional family. In my family, my mom was the one making more money. My mom was the one owning a company, hustling. And my dad was also working, but he was the one spending more time with us and raising us. Mm. So I was born in like a not conventional like household in Colombia because Colombia is quite traditional. Mm-hmm. And something I always heard my mom say is anything is possible. And no matter how hard things are, If you're doing what you love, what you're passionate about, you can make it happen. And I saw that with her when she created that company. It was like impossible to create the company she created and she did it. Mm. So that's something I always try to remind myself. And I would like all the listeners to think about, like, if you want to change something, if you want to make an impact, if you have a dream you haven't accomplished, if you're thinking you want to pursue something, but you feel scared, you feel that you're not capable, just think that you can do it. Just take a step forward. As we said before, just take action. So that is something that I I treasure with me. And it's something my mom used to tell me all the time. And I feel that in this time, in this day and age, things are looking so like dark, right? Like things are going, everything is going downhill. Mm. This is where we need the most to have this mindset of we can change. We can make this happen. We can move forward. So that will be what I want to share with you guys today. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, and until next time, happy brewing.